Welcome to Franchise Marketing Radio, brought to you by SEO Samba, comprehensive high-performing marketing solutions for mature and emerging franchise brands. To supercharge your franchise marketing, go to seosamba.com. That's S-E-O-S-A-M-B-A.com. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Franchise Marketing Radio, and this is going to be a fun one. Today we have with us Doug Wilmarth with Genghis Grill. Welcome, Doug. Thanks, Lee. Thanks for having me. Well, before we get too far into things, tell us a little bit about Genghis Grill. Sure. Genghis Grill is the uh, premier create-your-own-stir-fry restaurant uh, in America. It's actually a very unique uh, restaurant. It's a restaurant where our guests get to create whatever they want. We have over 80 fresh ingredients, sauces, premium proteins, fresh cut veggies. Uh, We do all the prep work for them. uh, So they just get to create whatever they want. Uh, We have recipes for them. They can create their own. And uh, at the end, they hand it to our grill masters. They grill it fresh for them right before their eyes. And uh, six minutes later, you have fresh stir fry. And then, so this is an in-person experience or is this something I can order and then pick up? Well, you know, it started, of course, as an in-person experience. In the last couple of years, we've added online ordering. We've added chef-created signature bowls. So there's actually a number of different ways that you can get Gingas Grill right now. Uh, you can go to our website. Uh, we have a branded app. Uh, so digitally, you can order there. Um, you can order um, creating your own just like you would in the restaurant. We'll just build it for you. Or you can select one of our chef's signature recipes. Uh, and in that case, uh, you know, we've got a preset recipe that we know is going to be delicious and you can order that. We're also available on uh, DoorDash and Uber Eats. Um, of course, you can also walk in and create your own stir fry, get it to go or get it to dine in. Now, um, this concept has been around for a while. I remember in college and a long time ago that <laughs> there was a, a version of this where we, it was like the biggest treat. We would go there and, and you know, gather around and watch someone stir fry up our meal and that was unique in the in the town that we were in how did Genghis Grill kind of um, start and and uh, evolve yeah it started like that I think there's been um, this type of cooking been around for a long time uh, certainly in Asia um, but it started becoming more popular here in the west and uh, in uh, 1998 in Dallas Texas uh, Genghis Grill was first founded and uh we grew pretty quickly. Um, our first franchisees were some guys who were just young college guys that um, they went into the restaurant, said, we love this. We could do this. Uh, so they signed up to be franchisees. Eventually, they bought the brand and uh, and were off to the races. So um, it's really uh, kind of a unique experience. As you mentioned, it's it's really uh, we call it entertainment, but there is something kind of fun and engaging. Um, and sometimes our guests are in it because they um, want to express their inner chef and they really have an idea about exactly what they want to eat. Sometimes it's as simple as I'm on a particular diet and I want to be very um, choiceful about what I eat and, and we can customize your meal like nobody else can. And then, of course, we've got the folks that um, trying to figure out how much food they can get in a bowl is actually a lot of fun. And uh, so it becomes a game to them to see just how big they can build their bowl. So was it initially built as a franchise or was it something that started out and someone's like, hey, you should franchise this? So funny enough, I mean, uh, it was started by Jeff Sinelli here in Dallas, Texas, and Jeff was just growing it. And 
I think he had four locations when um, the guys that ended up owning it literally just put a note in the suggestion box that says, hey, we'd really like to build one of these, would you consider franchising? So I don't think uh, from the gate, Jeff thought about franchising, but uh, uh, it became a big part of the strategy. So now um, as kind of the industry is um, kind of going through the pandemic, and and I'm sure this obviously impacted your in-person, the way that you were doing business, and you had to kind of tweak systems can you talk about how the franchisees, how you were able to support them through that? Because that was a challenging time. And I think this is really where some franchises really did shine because they were able to give kind of a lifeline and a path for some folks that if they were on their own, they would have been really struggling. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we, uh, like everybody else, uh, the pandemic kind of sprang on us um, and we had to react very, very quickly. And and within a matter of days, we went from you know, becoming aware of the pandemic to really closing dining rooms throughout. Um, we had been fortunate in that back in, in 2018, we had started a program to really accelerate our off-premise business and in particular, our digital sales. So we had built a brand new website in 2018, added a, a app and delivery in 2019. So the beginning of 2020, we were actually very well positioned um, to be able to transition to an online-only business, which is the way, depending on the state, um, we had to operate for months or so at a time. Um, one of the first things that we did as a company is, um, you know, we reached out to our franchisees. We sort of immediately, you know, started talking to them about what help uh, they needed. Um, we paused all royalties. We paused all ad fund contributions um, and really tried to, um, be their advocates as they work through all the things around PPP and, and you know, how can we, you know, help them bridge this time? Because we knew we were going to come out the other side of this and there was going to be some great opportunities. And one of the things that we're actually most proud of is we only lost um, one restaurant um, during the pandemic. We only had one restaurant closed. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, because when you see so many, especially these independents struggling, to be able to only lose one is really quite an accomplishment. Yeah, and, and that was, um, you know, we were fighting right to the end on that one. Uh, but uh, it was a single franchisee up in uh, Minnesota, and he just was really, really struggling. You know, the upper Midwest got hit particularly hard um, by the closures in the pandemic. Now, um, what are you, are you seeing any trends in this business? Um, I know uh, we're here in Atlanta. And there's something that's popping up these ghost kitchens um, where there's uh, an, where there's like kind of a, almost like a co-working space for kitchens in some places where they're able to uh, make any kind of brand out of a commercial kitchen, um, but they can fit a bunch of them in. Are you seeing ghost kitchens as a uh, part of your path going forward? So we um, we did a unique spin on the ghost kitchen idea. Um, so obviously key to our brand as Kingus Grill is the create your own interactive component. And so having the ability for the guests to come in and really experience that live is, is really a, an important part of the Kingus Grill brand. But what we recognized is, um, you know, at the core, what we had was a great, um, you know, kind of pan-Asian stir-fry concept. We have all the food, we have all the ingredients, we have, you know, great chefs, great recipes, um, but most the problem is, is that most 
customers think about us as the create your own place. Um, so what we did is we actually launched a, um, a new brand online uh, called Stir Fry Chef, which was utilizing the recipes that we had developed and all the labor and food we already had in the restaurant. Um, but uh, Stir Fry Chef was really positioned as, you know, kind of your traditional restaurant brand where you order dishes and, and they get delivered to you. So um, that's a way that we were able to help our franchisees get an additional revenue stream um, from customers that otherwise maybe wouldn't have considered ordering us online because they thought, oh, Genghis Grill is the place where I want to come in. So um, that has been um, been a nice um, sort of successful addition for us. And then the and that's uh, just kind of through delivery. Is that how you um, kind yeah, of right get now the- we're operating, um, you know, through delivery. Um, there is a plan, you know, sort of in place. We're kind of watching to see how this market develops. We have a plan in place that we can actually add our own branded website and do the delivery, um, you know, through our own channels instead of uh, using the, the third party. Partners. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there's also a plan down the road for how we'd be able to use it to pick it up. But the, the beauty of this model is that it really doesn't take very much incremental investment at all. The food's already there. The labor's already there. You're utilizing existing facilities. And so um, the upfront investment um, to get into this business for our franchisees is less than $1,000. Wow. And then it gives them this additional revenue stream without really changing much. Yeah. I, essentially, it's, we, we, make, we, we make the food as exactly as we would have had somebody ordered from Genghis Grill online. Um, what we're doing is really helping them see that you know, we can make a great pad thai, um, you know, we can make great Mongolian beef. And so we have a number of these recipes that um, people would maybe not normally have thought that, oh, I can just get that from Genghis Grill. Now, are you are you able to kind of flex to the the kind of healthy eating trends that are happening, like with these, you know, paleo or keto? Because I would imagine that your ingredients are pretty friendly for those kind of people with those kind of diets. Yeah, what's amazing is because we have you know, essentially the ability for you to create whatever you want. Um, we can not only handle those variety of diets, but you, you know, you have a group of people who are all on different diets. They can all come and stay on their diet. Um, and Genghis, and on our website, we actually have, you know, a section of the website that talks about, how, you know, how do you eat paleo at Genghis Grill? How do you eat um, gluten-free at Genghis Grill? How do you eat, if you aren't trying to eat low-calorie, you're trying to eat all protein. Um, you know, we have different recipes there, different tips and tricks, um, but we have, you know, a variety of things that you can select in your bowl so you can add or avoid whatever you want. So now um, what does kind of the rest of the year look like and maybe going into next year for growth for Genghis? Well, you know, if I hit a crystal ball on what's going to happen with uh, pandemics and restaurant industry, um, you know, I wish I did. But I think what we're focused on is coming out of the pandemic, we've really seen um, sales not only return to where they were, but actually accelerate. And part of um, why we think we're seeing this is people are coming back into the dining room, but we're still retaining a very robust off-premises business. So um, a lot of the people that have learned that they can get great food from delivery or great food to carry out have continued to do that while they've come back into enjoying food in the dining room. So um, that's been a nice addition for us. And as we look forward, um, you know, we have been actually on the last um, two to three years, we have been reinvesting back in the brand. We've got 
the new prototype um, that we've built and we've got some really updated and refreshed branding. We're investing back in the food. So um, as part of that, we've actually um, started looking to expand our franchise base for the first time, you know, in about five years. So um, we're going to be looking at adding new locations um, early in 2022. We're looking at a new um, company store and some new franchise stores as well. Now, can you talk about internally when you're going, when you're a brand that's kind of been known for an experience in person in real life, and then something like this happens that's disruptive. And I know that you had the foresight to kind of be ready for online and some of this curbside probably ahead of time. But mentally, that's that's a slight mental shift. You know, when you're kind of the DNA of the brand was this, like, let's get people together and kind of like you said, uh, what you call it, entertainment, where you're eating yeah. and it's kind of this interactive uh, community feel. How do you kind of pivot? Uh, was that kind of a discussion where there are some people that were fighting for like, we got to you know maintain this kind of experience? Like, what was kind of the thought process when you were going through that transition? I think what we tried to do is preserve as much of the experience and the fun of it as we could. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you know, people come into the restaurant for a couple of reasons. You know, part of it is the fun and the interactivity, but there is a key component of people wanting to be able to select exactly what they're eating. Um, and so, you know, there is still that component to it that I think was very strong. Uh, we were actually really surprised to see, um, you know, our, our online business, you know, which we'd been tracking at about 16, 17% of sales for off-premise, um, you know, just overnight uh, exploded to two to three times, depending on the location. So um, our guests who are big fans stayed with us. Um, so we were super excited about that. And as we worked through pandemic restrictions, there was a time when, you know, we worked to to build bowls for them when we weren't allowed to um, have them uh, build their own bowls. And so they'd actually walk through the line and we'd have somebody, you know, similar to a Chipotle style, um, you know, sitting there building the bowl for them. So we were very flexible in the model in order to allow people to continue to access the brand. And uh, when we did, um, when we were able to go back to having customers build their own brand, we saw actually sales really um, pick back up again. Now, is it something where you're like, hey, you know, maybe we should have a restaurant that has a super small footprint and then we're just making it all for them and it's all kind of a online to go? Is that one of the choices? Like, so you get away from the entertainment part and you're just executing the quality food delivery in the manner that they want with the ingredients they want? I don't think we're at that point with the brand. I think like everybody else, we've uh, taken a look at how the world has changed uh, in the last year and a half, and we've updated our prototypes. So the, the new company store that we're looking to build here um, in the next nine months has got a, a, a different layout. You know, there's uh, more emphasis in the to-go part of the experience in terms of, you know, how are we making a better, smoother production engine from the beginning in the design? How are we making the pickout seamless, the pickup seamless um, for our customers? So we've changed the design a little bit, took the dining room down a bit, but we do think, you know, retaining the ability of our guests to come in um, and be hands-on in building their food, I think is is a key component of the brand and will always be part of it. Yeah, it's fascinating because, like you said, there was a time when you couldn't do that part. Uh, but you still were able to kind of recreate it as best you can. And you you don't want to lose that. That becomes kind of the 
the North Star for the brand? I think that's what really differentiates us, Lee. So the food is great. Um, and our customers that know how to make um, their favorite dishes, you know, love their dishes. And that's why I think our business was able to sustain so well. Um, but what really differentiates the brand is we're the only place where you get to come in and uh, you're the chef. Um, you get to be hands-on and creating what you want. And so uh, knowing that that's a key differentiation point, we'll want to keep that in the brand. Now, what does an ideal franchisee look like for you guys? Are, are they kind of those second act folks? Or are they, you know, people who have a bunch of uh, food franchises and they're just kind of rounding out a portfolio? Well, I think our um, ideal franchisees are, you know, folks that are experienced in the restaurant segment. They're well capitalized so they can um, benefit from building multi-units. Um, so there is a, certainly a learning curve on this and economies of scale. So if you have um, the ability to put in four, five, six units um, in an area, then you really can fine tune your systems and you'll be more profitable. So we're really looking for franchisees that are, are looking to open at least three locations. Um, that being said, our, our concept is actually very easy to operate. Um, very, very heavy on the prep, um, but you, you don't have to have you know, a really expensive chef and a lot of culinary talent because um, what we're doing essentially is um, letting the customer pick what they want and then, uh, you know, stir frying it for them. So um, it's actually a fairly lean model and pretty easy to operate. And then are you looking for folks in certain regions right now? What are you looking for? Well, right now, the, the brand, interestingly, um, plays really, really well in mid-America. So our core customer, as you can imagine, they're people that don't mind getting their hands dirty that don't mind uh, stepping in and they've got a little bit of a do-it-yourself mentality. So um, there's certainly kind of the heartland of America, um, your, you know, kind of mid middle of the road uh, consumer is where we're going. So the nice part about that is that we really don't have to fight for that, um, you know, premier position, you know, in the wealthier neighborhoods that so many restaurants are trying to get at. So um, we do very, very well. Um, right down the middle of the country. We do very well in the South. And since that's where the brand is strongest, that's where we're looking uh, to sort of fill in at this point in time. So we've got some spots in Texas that would be really good, but also, you know, kind of in the States in between Texas and uh, North Carolina, just filling in our footprint in the South. Good stuff. Well, congratulations on all the success. Well, thank you, Lee. And if somebody wants to learn more about the opportunity, is there a website? Well, you can certainly go to GingasGrill.com. There is franchising information there. Um, it's really, at this point, just uh, you know, fill out the contact form, and Rich Guckle, who is our head of franchising, will be in touch. And that's G-E-N-G-H-I-S-G-R-I-L-L.com. Doug Wilmar, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate being on. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Franchise Marketing Radio.